I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. Where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Well, hello and great day, good people. Welcome back. Hey, y'all, you know how it goes down. (sighs) So I'm truly um, excited today to share with you someone um, who is just brilliant, someone who's genuine, um, somebody who will have you laughing till your stomach hurts. Just good, good people and a classmate of mine, which, you know, it's always love when I have my my people here. But I have the newly minted Dr. Marvin L. Tiller Jr. up in here, y'all. Doc, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Doc? How are you? Man, ain't this crazy? We were just sitting on the yard. Just, you know, two crazy people at y'all and look at us now. Wow. Everything is everything. Thank you for coming on to the show. I appreciate you. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh my goodness, you're so very welcome. And I am so thrilled to finally learn what about you I didn't know, right? Things I, I don't know about you. Cause I mean, it's one thing to sit and like you said, to be in passing, to to laugh, to just kind of have conversations, you know, like here and there, right? But I think to watch your journey unfold over the years and to more recently learn that you are a first-generation college graduate. I was like, what, <laughs> Marvin? Um, but I'm excited about that. So, hey, I want to jump into it. Tell us who you are. Well, um, so thinking about that question, um, I think who I am is I'm someone who didn't allow what was negatively spoken over me to determine my destiny. Hmm. Um, you know, growing up, you know, growing up in the projects, if you will, and, um, you know, growing up in the hood, you know, you you get that stigma or, you know, that uh, you get that label that this is someone who we already know what their destiny is. And, um, you know, just the fact that, you know, people were like, yeah, he, he won't uh, graduate high school. He'll get to high school, but he'll be a dropout and I'd already had it in mind that um, I was going to, you know, go to a community college and then go to Towson for my degree in English. Uh, But I had a mentor who happens to be a frat brother tell me, um, you need to expand your borders. You know, there's more than just what you see here. And so um, ended up uh, by hook and crook and by, you know, by divine intervention, I ended up at Shaw University, got a phone call from one of the band members on a Wednesday saying, you're on the list to be here for band camp on Saturday. Didn't get a letter or anything from the university with an ID number or anything saying that I was accepted. And so it it, it, it threw me. And so, um, you know, long story short, you know, and I tell people all the time, I, I went to Shaw with just one suitcase 
a packet of applesauce, a Bible, concordance, and bed linen. That's it. So looking at my roommate coming in here with TVs, radios, computers, and the whole nine yards, and I'm looking real bare on my side, you know, <laughs> it was crazy. But, um, you know, I'm just, I'm someone who um, defeated the odds and, you know, didn't let what was said about me determine my future outlook. And so um, that's one thing, you know, I'm truly uh, grateful for that, you know, I just continue to work and do the work. Hmm. I continue to work and do the work. Um, and it's a lot of work to be done. It's a lot of work to be done, especially as we're, you know, first generation, we are minorities and we went to HBCUs. I think that going to the HBCUs and being black people, honestly, you know, our superpowers. Um, but I think that there's something to be said about um, what that means to the rest of society, because to be black in America, to me, it means to also have a resilience. That's what I mean, right? Because of what has happened here historically. And then to think about, um, as people have said, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams to be sitting here, you know, doctors and professionals and to be educated. Um, and then to be, I say to be cultivated, right? Um, at an HBCU. Because it was something special about having gone to a place where we didn't have to worry about race in terms of like the, the political atmosphere. And we could just be and be intellects and be all the things and be from the hood and still come together and be invested in to go off in the world and to do great things like what you have been able to do, Doc. So I'm extremely proud of you and just want to say how much I celebrate you again and what you've been able to accomplish in spite of what you were told, especially as a Black man, which then brings me to um, a question, thinking about being a Black man and having a mentor. Um, what have you done to find mentors? Because I think mentorship is really critical for our success. Um, and depending on who you are, you may or may not want a mentor. But you did mention having one, and I love having mentors. So how do you, you know, seek out mentorship? How do you even identify um, in your life that you need a mentor for something? So it's crazy because um, this same mentor, like, you know, he didn't know at the time that uh, he was planting those positive seeds in my life and being that father figure that I did not really have growing up. So I met my mentor as a freshman in high school. He was the band director. He was the band director at my high school. Shout out to Edmonton Westside High School in Baltimore. And um, it's crazy when we first met, I tell people all the time, I love the story of how we encounter because I was a musician. And so in middle school, I was a musician and so the thing was, if you go to this particular middle school, you have to go to this particular high school to keep it going, to keep, you know, keep things going. And so I had determined it in my mind. I was not playing in the band when I got to high school. I know what the rep of the school is. I'm just trying to get in here, get my learning on and get on out of here. Second semester, I go to last period, music styles instruction. I sit there, do my warm-up assignment. Here I am thinking, okay, I'm going to beast through this class because it's going to be a brief. He picks up my paper, reads it, and says, were you in the band? I said, uh, yes, sir, I was. He said, what school did you go to? I said, 
said I went to West Fulham Middle School. He said, Betty McLeod was your director? Yes, sir. Why are you not in this band? And so I gave him this whole spill of excuses as to why. He said, I'm not having it. I need you to go across the street to the counselor's suite and tell them to put you in the band class. Long story short, I get in the band class. I learn to play the tuba, change my life. And he just, from that point on, just continued to be a blessing to my life. And he was the one that encouraged me. He said, don't worry about what your SAT score says. That does not define you. And so he was very instrumental in setting me up to go to Shaw. He knew the band director at Shaw. So that's how I was able to get my application and things completed. And so he just continues, um, even to this day, you know, uh, modeling what it is to be a good man, a good role model. And I am just forever indebted and blessed to have every, if you don't have a Stanley Brown in your life, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> I am just so, I'm, I'm, my life is so blessed because he just continues to uh, pour into me even now. Like, you know, he still finds opportunities to instill some words of wisdom into my life. And I, I'm just forever grateful. Mm, I, I love to hear stories like that because he saw you. You may not have even seen yourself, right? But he saw you. And I think a lot of times it's even more divine of how like God sees us and he uses other people to pull us out of our own way, to pull us up, to just do all the things that um, we don't always recognize because of who we are, what we've been through. I love that. And so what I want to know from you is how then have you been able to go back and do the same thing for other young Black men? So I have been an educator I'm knocking on the door 10 years um, as an educator in the Baltimore City Schools come on now um, (laughs) and uh, I'm just there. there, a lot of reform needs to happen in our educational system the one thing that I am grateful for is the opportunity to be an example to other young black men and so um I was privileged to teach a teach a course on American government one year, and I'm, I met a student. You know, the relationship didn't start off good. You know, when you're a new teacher in a new environment, sometimes, you know, it takes a little adjusting. And so um, the more, you know, I stayed on the student, you know, the more, you know, they began to, you know, he in particular began to, you know, warm up and see this isn't some guy who's just here to earn a check but he's here he really cares and so and even after I moved on and went to a went to serve at another school he reached out to me on a random day and let me know and because you know I put a lot of emphasis on you know college and career readiness and you know I'm always pump up my alma mater Shaw University wherever I go you know, people people often call me a walking billboard because I think most of my um, attire is some type of paraphernalia. So, but that's a whole nother story. He reached out to me and he said, um, he said because um, you know I got an acceptance letter to go to college, and you'll never guess what college it is. I said, well, what college is it? He said, I'm going to Shaw University, and that blew me away. 
because you know and he said you know thank you for thank you for staying on me and encouraging me along the way you know I wouldn't have picked Shaw if it wasn't for how you talked to us and you talked to us about Shaw and you talked to me and you encouraged me to stay in school it was just completely mind-blowing when when you think they're not listening when you think that what you're not saying is hitting on something that's when you know it's hitting and so you know for me that was just mind-blowing and it and it reminded me of why it is I chose this profession you know because you know it's not a lot of black males in the field of education and so if I can be one of those ones planting those seeds and um, being there for those students, then I know that I'm doing and walking in my purpose. Mm, I really love that. Um, and it's so important to be intentional. Right. Because you saw a need, and let's be for real, Doc, education don't pay nothing. <laughs> unless, you, <laughs> unless you, you know, up and doing something big, big, um, it, you know, it's, it's not competitive. It's not something that, you know, people talk about luxurious life and you're not going to get that as an educator. I'm just sorry. And that's something that um, me and my husband were talking about the other day. It's the people go to school and sometimes what they major in doesn't match up with the life that they want or they say they want, but they don't see that. They don't know that. But getting back to what you were saying or to what you know you were talking about, for you to say, I see that there's a need and I'm willing to take that risk because it's, it's more meaningful and more impactful to do this work. I tell people moving into education, it's divine placement because there's nothing else that would make somebody, you know, and this, maybe the schedule. I mean, let's be for real. Who and who gonna complain about summers off? But you know, but even the schedule, you know, that's appealing. But I think there's just so much to be said about that. So thank you um for having taken that route and, and made that commitment to uplift young people. And I think, like you said, just even being a black male educator is it says a lot that's a really big thing in itself because it's not enough of you all in addition to education there's something else you do i said earlier so i mean but there's another title that's it, that's in there and i know if anybody who um know well they hear it in your voice so <laughs> we know better talk to us about it i think there's a reverend up in there somewhere i've been i've been in ministry for a long, but you know, for a long time, like, and you know, I'm young, but you know, people say that, you know, no, I, I really, I've been in ministry. I did, I did my initial sermon at the age of eight. Um, I didn't really, you know, understand the magnitude of the call until I turned 12. And the crazy thing is, and people laugh when I say this, I got ordained three days before my junior prom. Wow. So, <laughs> so I was an ordained reverend three days before my junior prom. And that was a fun week to say the least. <laughs> um, I will say that ministry has really um, shaped me. And, you know, I've had some really uh, humbling life experiences that helped me, you know, when I wanted to uh, be done with uh, ministry as a whole God would remind me like I called you to this and you know don't you allow whatever season that you're experiencing to stop you from uh, walking in your calling and so um, I've been you know it really 
works itself out. You know, people don't have to, you know, it doesn't take long for people to see, you know, the light that's on you. And, you know, I encourage people all the time. And I tell people, you may be the only Bible that somebody is reading. They may not read a physical in hand or on their app Bible, but they'll see you in the way you walk and what examples you're setting. And that could be that living epistle, that living Bible that somebody sees. And so it's important that you are doing everything you can to make sure that people are seeing the God in you wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you know, and yes, you know, life presents its challenges. Life presents its, um, its situations where you just want to, you know, you want to run and hide and just be done with everything. But you got to remember that the trials only come to make us stronger. So, you know, if you can just hold on just for a little bit, you know, God will definitely meet you right there where you are and help you to get over those hurdles. Mm. Mm -mm. Here's what I want to know, Doc. A fork in the road, ministry and education. And you've been doing ministry all your life, right? Why didn't you make that more of your thing that versus education? I'm just, just really curious because I know they, I know they had to be a battle. So I don't look at education as like a, a second job or anything like that. It, for me, education is a calling. It's a ministry. Education for me is a ministry. So I don't see it as, you know, being bivocational, if you will. I see myself working in ministry, whether I am behind a pulpit or whether I'm behind a desk in a classroom. It's both it's it's both a ministry you're serving people and so you know in the classroom whether it's you know the students your administrators your students the parents and other uh stakeholders you're serving them um in the pulpit it's the congregation it's your your deacons your trustee other ministry leaders um in both cases you are serving and so um you know, I don't see it as, you know, well, I can do ministry full time, you know, and be done with education. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm working in full time ministry, um, whether I'm, you know, and now now do I desire to pastor full time? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is that is a desire that is that I have told the Lord I want to pastor full time now if it doesn't come when i want it to come i have a strong plan b but again i don't see it as a plan b it's for me it's still a ministry so if i'm not pastoring full time my ultimate goal is to either be a superintendent for a for a school or um, I would love to serve as an HBCU president. So that is like my ultimate dream job. And so I'm working and planting those seeds now to get to that ultimate prize if full-time pastorate is 
not something that will um, happen anytime soon. So yeah, they're both a ministry for me. That's good because you don't have to choose. You just got to know who you are. You got to know who you are. And what I love about that is thinking about being an entrepreneur now from having been in the educational space because, of course, my background is higher education. And I was trying to think, you know, before I'd even made the choice to say, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and focus on this part of my life. I'm just going to go ahead and focus on the healing that I also have to do right now. Because I took off, um, Doc, not because I was trying to leave higher education, but because I was taking a break. I just needed time and space to heal because I had been through so much. And then I had the thought to maybe I should just try speaking. And then speaking became a, here I am six years later and speaking, stores, schools, so to be able to innovate, right? But similar to yourself, what I had to do was realize who I am is who I'll be no matter where I am. It's the work that I'm doing and who I'm serving that makes a difference. So I'm always an educator at heart, at my core, but you can educate people in a lot of ways. And so that's just, it's so to even think about, to minister to them, to be the example, to be the leader. I, I love that you say that because you didn't pick or choose. You are who you are. So ooh, I'm here for it. Um, this conversation is going by so fast. <laughs> I'm looking like, my goodness, we, you know, we can, we can talk for a long time, but Something that I'd like to know from you is what do you think has helped you be successful, you know, in all that you've been able to do thus far? Um, having a circle of accountability people. I'm blessed to have friends, not just friends in ministry, not just friends in education, but friends outside of those professions who hold me accountable and keep me humble. And I tell, I, I pray this prayer often, Lord, the, the higher you take me, please keep me humble. Please keep me humble because I, I see it all too often. You know, you get, you people get, people get title, people get position and they get a big head. And it's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta remain humble and remain focused on the end goal and so i'm grateful for the friends that got my life if i had to give a title to my life and my journey from from growing up to now it would simply be ordered steps god strategically orders my steps and i don't you know some things you didn't understand in the moment like you know, um, and I tell people, I, I failed the sixth grade. I transitioned out of public school to private school and, you know, didn't didn't really work, pan out great. And so I ended up having to go back to public school and repeat the sixth grade. But, you know, I think about that now. And as I think about that, I think about the people that I met along that journey. And it's crazy, like... God just continues to strategically place me in the right place at the right time among the right people. And so, you know, I am grateful for that, you know, and I don't take his ordered steps for granted. And so, you know, again, I'm grateful for my circle of friends who 
and family members too who keep me rooted and grounded and um, I am just so privileged for that. Mm, I felt that and I understand that. 109% I'll say. <laughs> so hmm, that's a good one. Shout out to your friends. Hey friends, because I know, look, I know they listening. I know they listening. Hey, hey y'all. Um, my goodness. So as we're bringing this conversation, you know, to its end for now. And again, we can just talk over and over again. Probably have you come back. Let's do something. We're going to talk again in some kind of way. I look forward to it. Look, me too now. Me too. But what I want to know is what is a piece of advice or wisdom that you would like to leave us with? So there are two things. Number one, be unapologetic about your self-care. Be unapologetic. And unfortunately, this was a lesson I had to learn later in life. You know, people will people will work you and use you until you're just completely drained. Truth is, I'm tired. Options are few. And so you have to be unapologetic about looking out for yourself. It's not being selfish. It's called good stewardship. You are no good to anybody if you are empty yourself. And so it is important that you take those moments of self-care, embrace it however long you need. And that goes into my second thing that I want to leave with you. No is a complete sentence. Listen, learn how to say no. If, If you can't do something, if you can't be somewhere, that's just what it is. You know, again, people have to learn that You can't be everywhere. You can't do everything. You have to take those moments to recharge, reset. And if that means having to tell somebody, no, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm going to be all right once I come back from my recharge and my reset. So prioritizing your self-care and learning how to say no. That sounds like the perfect bundle to me. <laughs> and no, it's self-care. So, you know, I, I, I heard that. I'm having to still learn that. It's a progression. It's an ongoing thing, you know, that we we have to continuously look at things and reassess. And that no, the more you say it, the easier it gets. So I guess I'll say that too. Um, you don't just have to be like, no. But uh, but I love those. And I wasn't expecting the self-care one, brother. But I tell you, I appreciate that one. That was a good one. I was like, wait a minute. Did he just say that? He sure did. Um, you heard you heard it from the doc. Well, all right, at this point, is there um can you tell us on the internet where we can find you, how people who want to connect with you can connect with you? Um what what that look like? So you can find me on Instagram. I am at Dr. M. L. Tiller Jr. I am on the Twitter Twitter uh space at Dr. Tiller nineteen fourteen. And uh, you can find me on Facebook as well using the same tag as my Instagram, Dr. ML Tiller Jr. Would love to connect. Would love to reach out. Thank you. Thank you so much, Doc. Well, look, y'all, I appreciate y'all for sitting with us today. Um, I just hope that you are as full about this conversation as I am. Doc, you dropped some bars. I don't. I was like, I should have took out my notepad. I'm like, dang, but I get to, I get to listen to the replay before everybody else because my goodness, that was some, definitely some highlights in this. But again, I just want to thank you for coming on today, for sharing your story, for imparting your wisdom on us. 
um, to be able to just just go out and be great in life. And then again, to those of you who've listened, please be sure to connect with Dr. Tiller. Um, and just he's just a good person, like, you know, just just good people. But on that note, uh, again, thank you for for what you do and what you will continue to do. Continue to change the world in only the way that you can, Doc. Um, until the next time. All right, y'all. We'll catch up.